we're encouraging others who maybe don't have that process anymore, don't have that as their routine, to, to give it a try. Listen to your local station in the morning, see what the community is talking about, and, and just find a way to be able to get reconnected with those in your area. World Radio Day this year is all about celebrating radio's second century of service as one of the most dependable and widely used forms of media across the globe. To mark the day this year, the National Campus and Community Radio Association and Farm Radio International are hosting a live broadcast from downtown Ottawa on Carleton University's CKCU, celebrating the essential role the medium is still playing especially in areas underserved by other media. That's especially true for a lot of NCRA member stations as community radio experiences a renaissance. Executive Director Barry Rook returns to Broadcast Dialogue, the podcast, to talk about that and more. My name is Barry Rook. I'm the Executive Director of the National Campus and Community Radio Association. Uh, it is the network of mostly English, not-for-profit radio stations across the country. Uh, we have around 130 members. Uh, 45 or so are tied to a campus. A dozen are tied to Indigenous radio stations. Uh, and the rest are sort of community-based groups. Uh, all of them are not-for-profits as and individually run by their own local board of directors. And not everyone is on AM or FM. Some choose to broadcast online only. Uh, I got into the industry in 1999 as a broadcaster on community radio, on campus radio, actually. Uh, I was 15 at the time. A friend of mine suggested I come do the radio show in downtown Toronto, and my mother said, you're not doing that, you are 15. Uh, so they suggested I contact my local radio station, which was CFRU at the University of Guelph, and within two weeks later, I had started my show. Uh, that show sort of ran all the way through high school, and it drove me into my next sort of path, which was commercial broadcasting through radio and TV broadcasting. I did some HR work. I did my master's looking at how radio used social media in 2011 and 2012. And that all sort of lended itself to where I'm at now, which is in Ottawa, uh, running the National Campus Community Radio Association since 2015. So we should say, Barry, in case it happens again, you're not alone. You uh, you have some free friends there. Yeah, that's always the challenge when you have a microphone open and they want to talk. So I've got two corgis <laughs> who like to chat. Uh, they're as talkative as I am. Let's talk about World Radio Day, Barry, which is quickly approaching. You're partnering with Farm Radio International and Carleton University's uh, CKCU on an event in Ottawa. Can you talk about what you have planned and how this came together? Yeah, the, the World Radio Day thing is something that's happened a couple of times, but we haven't been really fully involved in it. This year, they're celebrating 100 years on the air, which is incredible because we have two stations who have been on the air for almost 100 years. CFRC, which is in Queen's University, just had their 100th year celebrations, and CFYT in Dawson City uh, when the gold rush sort of happened. It was one of the pre premier areas where radio was really important. So taking an opportunity to bring people together to talk about the importance, whether it's here in Canada, especially at the local level and the not-for-profit level, where we're often the only people doing that type of uh, information and entertainment for a community, 
uh, or if it's around the world when our partners with uh, people like Farm Radio International have such important work in sharing information that really drives opportunities in places like Africa and Southeast Asia um, where information is difficult to transmit. And they've done such a great job on taking the old Farm Radio Canada model and applying it at the national level. So we're thrilled to, to have them involved as we celebrate 100 plus years in radio. The theme for this year's World Radio Day is a century informing, entertaining, and educating. Here in Canada, we've seen some declines with station closures. It's seeing a rise, though, in some other parts of the world. And we're actually that rise. In Canada, I have a dozen members right now who are waiting for the CRTC to open their application process up again for uh, licensing. There is more and more groups that contact us. I get at least one a month, maybe two or three, that say our local space needs a voice. The commercial radio stations are not servicing what we're doing. Radio Canada uh, and the CBC can't do it. Uh, they just don't have the ability to be that local. So we need information, we need entertainment, and we need it here by the people who are living in our communities. So we're growing. And we've seen that with our numbers pre versus post pandemic, if we can say we're past that now. But those numbers have grown a decent amount. And and with that, the trust of what comes from it, uh, a recent study from our friends in the Association of Radio Stations, uh, Community Stations in Quebec, showed that information being shared to the listener is most respected and felt as trustworthy than any other source, including more than family, because I guess we all have a couple of those uh, little out there uncles or so who want to share their own style of information. Do you have any solid data on how campus and community radio is performing from a listening perspective? Yeah, we have some survey results that have come through the Nanos polls, and those are available on our website. Uh, we are seeing growth in numbers in other areas through things like Stats Radio that is showing there is growth at the local level. Uh, our challenge on the English side of things is that those services are often very expensive and not a lot of our members have access to them. And with Numeris changing the way that they do reporting and, and other groups like Radio Count not covering, say, the areas that we're often covered in, it becomes very difficult. So that's actually one of the things in our advocacy that we've been reaching out and trying to get people to recognize that we need to have data to be able to validate the work that we're doing. We know we are doing incredibly important things at the local level because of all the feedback we get, but it's very difficult to quantify it without some of those statistics. NCRA is involved in a lot of other initiatives right now, including the early stages of helping form a national Indigenous radio association. Do you want to talk about that, Barry? Yeah, it's something that's really important. We have been supporting Indigenous communities for years. Uh, when I started in 2015, we had two or three members that had just joined. It was an area that we didn't have a lot of expertise and knowledge in. 
we still don't. It's a different broadcast element that policy hasn't been updated in years. And what we have found is that more and more communities, regardless of where their background is and sort of who they are, they're coming and looking for support. So we have a handful of genre-specific online radio stations as well that are coming and looking for work. When it comes to the Indigenous stations, we we understand and recognize uh, at the board level that we are not a voice for them. We are there in help and support. And what we've done is we've started a consultation process offering our services to help guide some leaders from those communities to come together and have their own voice, have their own ability to share information, programs, ideas, and so on, because it's incredibly important um, for the reconciliation process that those communities that have been left out are really brought together to strengthen the entire industry. And we obviously see that happening with what's being expected and asked for by the CRTC. How many stations would this potentially encompass? And do most Indigenous stations see a need for their own governance organization? From my understanding, there's approximately 45 licensed, what they call Native B stations. There are also uh, an unknown number of Native A or Native exempt stations. I'm not going to speak about the term Native. We'll leave that alone for the CRTC to, to deal with. But in general, that number of exempt stations could be as high as 600. And that's often because they are in remote and rural areas, which are being, they're using radio airwaves slightly different than a regular broadcast. It's a lot of communication amongst people, say, who are out doing trapping or fishing and hunting or or other elements as well. So it's slightly different and they don't have commercial competition. So they're allowed to use the spectrum as they see fit, thanks to ISED. When it comes to bringing people together to share the knowledge and the best practices. That is something that our members, uh, Indigenous and not, continue to ask for. Uh, They find that the ability to speak with others that have uh, similar backgrounds, similar technology needs, similar community support, um, what they're really looking for is to know that they're not alone and that there are others that can help out. So we have had a handful of Indigenous stations jump at the opportunity to to have chances to talk to others that are slightly more like them than, say, a campus station is. We just want to make sure that if that is so far the path that that group of stations uh, wants to to go towards, towards a self governing body, that there's an opportunity to make that happen. It also could simply be that this group enjoys working with the other like-minded not-for-profit radio stations and it's simply a discussion point to bring people together and find out what more the NCRA can do to help as well. The other initiative I want to talk about is your podcast school which begins its spring semester in March. Do you want to talk about the emerging relationship between podcasts and campus and community radio? Yeah the podcast school started about three years ago. It was something that our members had said, we need to get a little bit more in tune with what podcasting means, especially on the campus side. You're seeing a lot of volunteers walking into campus and say, oh, I don't have time to do a weekly radio show, but I love podcasts. 
And that's because I have more freedom and more flexibility and I can do them when I want. And it doesn't have to be 30 minutes exactly. And it doesn't have to have X, Y, and Z. But what it really is, is it's just a different form of storytelling. And we are seeing that a lot of the radio stations are now looking at themselves as community media hubs. And that means telling stories for and by the community. It doesn't necessarily mean that radio is the primary focus. Now, often it, it still is. It's the core element in which people know the stations for. But some of these groups have podcast networks um, that run alongside the work that the station is doing. Sackville, New Brunswick is a great example of that. You can go to their station page and find everything of every podcast that is being made sort of within their listening range, all available and all sort of approved from them as a hub for information. So the podcasting school was a way in order to be able to take the information around some of these other ideas and provide it out as an advanced learning technique. There's lots of ways people can learn how to do podcasting, but what does it mean for going into, you know, what are the different types of podcasts and how their presenters work, right? How to really make it sound professional. What about your research? What about how you interact when it comes to social media and promotions and all of these areas that sometimes the radio stations don't necessarily have all that information about, but we know these experts here do. So giving them a chance to be able to do teaching, it's a six-week, 12 session course with about seven or eight different presenters and it's also available on demand and it's it's a great way to be able to if you have a podcast really take a deeper dig into something else if you're exploring the idea of a podcast it's a great place to start and you'll come away with a lot of information and hopefully it will inspire you to make some great content we're seeing a lot of commercial and and the public broadcaster move into a digital first format for some of its programming in terms of, of you know, where podcasts are now fitting into the audio ecosystem. Is, is that the same for campus and community radio? We're seeing a bit of that. Yes, absolutely. And again, I think it becomes how people are capturing their content, making sure on demand is available. The NCRA is working towards a new technology plan. In that technology plan, we're talking about amalgamating content in to a single platform so that if you are, let's say, a reggae fan, almost every community radio station has an absolutely amazing reggae show. But how do you know where they are, when they are? Where do you listen to it? And if you don't know where the stations are, you can't find that content. So bringing everybody together under a sort of a ability to make it a not necessarily a one-stop shop, but a discoverability platform that comes with bios and track lists and uh, listening data numbers and all of that. It's something that we're, we're actively trying to develop solutions for. It's obviously challenging as an association when you're also doing the training and the education and the lobbying and the services. And we run on quite a small organization. Uh, there's only at the moment two full-time, two part-time staff here. What else is on your mind, Barry? It's been a minute since we chatted. 
uh, there's a lot going on in the world right now. Uh, we've just seen layoffs for um, Bell Media and them selling their uh, radio assets. We've seen huge cuts to CBC. We've seen community newspapers in the hundreds closing. And we're also getting at to this point where there's a lot of things going on in government. Uh, the local journalism initiative is towards the end of its five-year process, and we're really hoping for a renewal for that because it is, within our broadcast sector, 45 journalists that are covering news deserts that would not have that information if that program was to cease. We have all of these challenges with Bill C-18. Does it mean that our community radio stations that are written into the legislation as being mandatory to talk to are actually required to have this discussion with right now Google, who has come to the table and has some money in place. We don't know where those next steps are. We have our stations that have been blocked by Meta, who have said simply, well, because you're in the legislation, you're on the list, and the list says we don't do news and information anymore. So all of our community radio stations on social media platforms, Facebook and Instagram, are blocked. And then, of course, we're dealing with the changes to the Broadcasting Act and the updated uh, element to the streaming and, and all of that. So we're working very closely when it comes to uh, the CRTC and that process going forward, which we've done a lot of lobbying work, and we're really happy that there's an expanded definition of what community is, what are those areas that our stations OLMC stations, languages, indigenous opportunities for people with disabilities, you know, those key terms that have been identified and prioritized are really important. And we're excited to see where that comes from the CRTC. And I guess the last element is the advertising side of things. Uh, we know that advertising from the government of Canada is a, a hot topic across both commercial and community organizations. What we really think and we've been talking with people is uh, if the government of Canada wants to make sure it's reaching its Canadian listeners across the country in places that maybe are not serviced by other areas or people choose to listen to our content as opposed to something else, that making sure advertising and information from the government is able to get to those listeners as well, while it supports the sector as a whole. That was a lot to get off your chest, Barry. Is there a thought you want to close on? Uh, other than happy World Radio Day for everyone coming up, uh, it is not a dying medium. It is a thing that is growing and it is incredibly important. And uh, if you would like to tune in, CKCU, we're doing that live to air broadcast from 7.05 to 10 p.m. We're great, uh, grateful for Adrian Harwood and Ian Pringle, who are our keynotes. And there's a couple other others that will be uh, joining us as well and sharing what they love about radio uh, in the coming days. This day is really about getting people to listen. And that's what we hope is people will, uh, you know, the ones that are already turning on the radio in the morning and, and having a listen, we're encouraging others who maybe don't have that process anymore, don't have that as their routine, to, to give it a try. Listen to your local station in the morning, see what the, the community is talking about, and, and just find a way to be able to get reconnected with those in your area. Thanks so much for joining us, Barry. Well, it's always a pleasure to be here, and thanks again for all that you do. 
for listening to Broadcast Dialogue. For more information about the podcast or to receive exclusive access to our weekly briefing about the Canadian media industry, visit us at broadcastdialogue.com. Don't forget to like us on Facebook, connect with us on LinkedIn, and follow us on Twitter and SoundCloud. Looking to make the most out of this life and optimize your personal wellness? Then check out the Natural Man podcast. Join me, host Mike C, as we explore all areas of human wellness physical, mental, and emotional. Learn strategies to optimize your own well being and be in the driver's seat of your own health. Remember, your doctor works for you. Learn biohacks, neurohacks, ways to improve sleep, and ways to optimize your body and your mind. Check us out on Apple, Spotify, the Fountain app, and at naturalmanpodcast.com.